real deep breath. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the March 26, 2020 edition of Peaceful Globalist Review. I am your host, the Peaceful Globalist, Efron Josine. Now, I saw this headline from the Hill, and I jumped a little, in part because I didn't believe this would have to happen. We were, we were talking a lot about the Senate stimulus package the past couple of days. Senate deal would block Pentagon from using coronavirus funds on border wall. Wait, what? You mean that's something that had to be blocked? No, let's let's read the article a little bit. Again, this is from The Hill. The massive stimulus package awaiting a vote in the Senate would prohibit the Pentagon from shifting $10.5 billion in coronavirus funds to a counter-drug account it has been using to fund President Trump's southern border wall. Wait. So that had to be specifically denied in the first place. Now, we can ignore the fact that, personally, I think it should be the Department of Homeland Security that's building the wall. That's purely a me thing, though. It just sounds more official. I can't substantively give you a reason as to why that is. But the fact is, a border wall would have not stopped the coronavirus. You know, people were making fun of Chris Chinchilla, or whatever his name is, the CNN guy. When he was saying, oh, well, um, viruses don't recognize international borders. But that's objectively true, especially airborne ones. They don't care about borders. What are you going to do? You're going to have ice go around with jars containing the coronavirus? Even then, even then, we'll pretend that they cared about borders. The fact is, Mexico is not a big concern when it comes to the coronavirus, it started in China, for God's sake. And I don't know if the president understands this, but there's this thing between China, a.k.a. Asia, in general. Entire spirit is like this giant mass of land that incorporates some of the Middle East, China, all of Asia, and all of Europe. Well, I guess except the UK. Okay? In between that and North America is this thing called the ocean. Just figured the president should know. I'm calling it now. Within 50 years, Republican politicians will be calling it. It started with a fence. Now it's a full-on wall. Soon it will be a Simpsons movie-style dome. Place money on that. I'm going to be within 30 years. Within 30 years of me saying this, by March 26, 2059. And for that matter, might I remind you guys, Mexicans are more at risk of getting the coronavirus from the U.S. than the other way around. So the only argument for even having that as an option is completely null and void. But then I read the rest of the article, and I find out apparently the Pentagon has been doing this a lot. Earlier this year, the Pentagon transferred $3.8 billion from various weapons programs to the counter-drug fund to use to build the border wall. Sorry, military. 
You don't get weapons because the president wants to build this big wall. That's on top of the $2.5 billion from counter-drug funds and $3.6 billion in military construction the Pentagon tapped last year to fund the wall. Wow. So immediately, the only reason the wall looks like it could be being built is because the Pentagon is somehow legally, somehow this is legal, transferring money all over the place, because the Pentagon is the shadiest branch of the government, or I guess the department of government, based on a branch. The Pentagon has no accountability, it has no overhead, we aren't even entirely sure it's budget. There was a study last year that determined that the amount of unaccounted for economic activity in the Pentagon is higher than its total budget has been since we first started having one. Under, I believe it was President Truman. Just wow. Wow. So basically, the entire Pentagon is scamming us, is what I'm getting from this. I, I can't. I mean, I can believe it because it doesn't surprise me in the slightest. But just, wow. Just, what a world we live in. Anyway, this comes from a Twitter account called COVID Perspective, a.k.a. COVID-19 Perspective, which has done a great job covering this outbreak. I also have a Twitter. It's at Ephraim Josine one uh, <laughs> And they said, they found this news item. This is from, it's from the day or yesterday. It's from, oh, it's from two days ago. It's been, I just saw this today. India is a major, possibly the largest producer of hydroxychloroquine. Really long word. In the world. Which, if you don't know, by the way, that is one of the... Uh, substances or chemicals the president is saying can help cure COVID-19. Today, the country banned exports of the drug. In related news, India put its 1.3 billion citizens into lockdown today. And then they show a link of something from the government of India where they basically say that's what they're going to do. And, you know, I was going to come on here and rail against them and talk about how this is evil. Stopping people from getting medicine is completely just awful. I would even argue in cases like this, you could realistically consider it a crime against humanity. However, then I realized, why even bother? I mean, this administration has already banned basically all imports of medicine. Or the government buying all imports of medicine. That's why we ran out of respirators, too. We can't import respirators anymore. That's why um, the president has been unable to send various state and local governments the amount of respirators they need. Because we can't import any anymore. And then I realized, according to all of these people, Nationalism's on their way in. And if you're a nationalist, what argument do you have against this? Seriously, if you believe in nationalism, 
what argument do you have against what India is doing? Why they're just stating their sovereignty by refusing to give people in other countries medicine. They're putting their own citizens first. Mind you, I doubt they need all of that, considering they are a major, possibly the largest producer of it. Although they have a population of 1.3 billion, so they could realistically argue that. Seriously. All the Twitter nationalists I saw get angry at this. I have to ask you, what argument do you have against it? From a moral, from a philosophical, from an economic, from a political standpoint, what is wrong with what they're doing? That is what they want us to be doing. That is what they want the America First trade policy to be, us not exporting anything. Us making everything domestically and us keeping everything domestically. Many of them are open isolationists. So again, I have to ask, what argument do you have that what India is doing is wrong? I have several arguments for what they're doing is wrong. What argument do nationalists have? If anything, they're just getting holly-pilled. Remember that it was Senator Holly who was introducing that legislation to get to reduce the amount of medicine we get from China. Again, blockading medicine, stopping us from getting medicine in the U.S., in my opinion, constitutes a crime against humanity. It is not putting anyone first other than your own ideological purity. And that ideological purity is getting people killed. However, we all know that's just a scapegoat right now. The fact is, if we ever manage to not have all most of our medicine come from China, say, I don't know what the second producer is, but we'll say it is India, for example. The next day, Holly's going to introduce legislation saying that we should reduce our medical supply from India. Then it becomes, we'll say, Norway. we got to reduce it from Norway. Then it becomes, uh, I'll try and do one on each continent. Australia, got to reduce it from Australia. Canada, got to reduce it from there. Uh, what would be uh, Brazil, I guess. Well, got to produce it from there. Is that all? I guess I didn't mention Antarctica. You know what I mean. And it's just this game of never ending. It's this game of chicken, more Where you're just running across the street, you get to the other side, you start running again. Until eventually we're just an isolationist nation. And what India is doing is they're not waiting. They see the trend in the United States. And unless we reverse it, I see it as completely justified. What India is doing makes perfect sense in the climate nationalists have created. And if you take issue with this and you are a nationalist, I simply have to say, go look in the mirror to see whose fault it is. It's that simple. Anyway, I saw this just before I started recording, and I knew I had to talk about it. The rest of the episode is just going to be me addressing various columns. Don't worry. So you can, like, probably leave here if you just wanted the news. But I found this. This is from a guy named Ben Wegardner, who is a contributor for The Federalist. And it's entitled, Five Major Paradigm Shifts That the Wuhan Flu Crisis Has Revealed American Theme. 
call it the Wuhan flu and not the China flu, give you that much. And the Federalist, for those who do not know, is run by Ben Domino. Uh, at least I think that's what it is. Probably not exactly that silly. It might be that silly, though. I genuinely don't remember. Who has also been accused of plagiarizing P.J. O'Rourke, of all people. That's how bad he is. And is married to Meghan McCain. He also called Meghan McCain a bitch on Twitter around a year before they started dating. But, you know, they both have left that behind them. So, you know what? I'm not going to judge. Here's how the article starts. Crises have a way of revealing critical, unspoken truths. If we can recognize these truths, we can emerge from such crises significantly stronger. While America's first priority in the wake of the Wuhan coronavirus crisis must be neutralizing immediate threats to health and safety of our people, the disruption of our lives also provides an opportunity to engage in national reflection. If we do so amid the pandemic hysteria, several critical signals emerge. Acknowledging those signals today and initializing them tomorrow can help us prevent or be better positioned to handle such black swan shocks to our system in the years ahead. Now, I'd like to open by saying I have no idea what this guy is talking about regarding some kind of crisis. And neither does he, because three days ago, on March 23rd, 2020, he went on the One American News show Tipping Point, hosted by Liz Wheeler, okay? And what him and Liz Wheeler said was that Italy, which has been by far the most aggressive in fighting it because it's had by far the biggest impact there, was greatly inflating its COVID-19 death toll. So wait a minute. It's such a crisis they have to make up numbers to make it a crisis? Well, that already doesn't make much sense. And you see, this is the mind the Trumper has to go through right now. It has to go through. China is dramatically underestimating. Italy is dramatically overestimating or overinflating. They're both lying. But it's still, but they're both still completely right. It's not a crisis like China says. It's also a total crisis, like Italy says, and also both those countries are lying. Wait, what? Um, but let's get to the article. I'm only going to address the first two points, because the other three are generic conservative arguments. One, communist China is a global menace. When the Wuhan coronavirus pandemic arose and began spreading for weeks, the Chinese Communist Party sought to cover it up with deadly consequences for the world. They've been fighting it for two years at that point, so it wasn't like it was out of the realm that it would become just a a little bit of a, not even a pandemic, just a little bit of a, would be the word I'm looking for, something that just comes up out of nowhere but disappears, a fad, if you will. Best word I can think of. When communist China was blamed, it not only refused to take responsibility, but slandered America for pointing the finger to the point of calling the United States culpable as part of a disinformation campaign. The president called it a hoax. Noted several Republican governors. That is a disinformation campaign. Sorry, but the administration's response started out awful. 
It was ignored for as long as possible, denied by many in the administration, and now all of a sudden we're supposed to pretend like from the start, dear leader was figuring it out. No, he didn't know what was going on, didn't even acknowledge it until he was forced to, was mocking it up till late March. I posted the article yesterday over on Medium. The experts speak on the coronavirus. You can read the president and his apologists and members of the administration and Republicans, even just a couple days before I post that article, saying, actually, it didn't matter. It's all one giant hope. The CCP even threatened via a state-backed publication to cut off essential medical supplies should Americans continue speaking openly and honestly about the CCP's role in creating the crisis. That's what the president was talking about doing as well. It was Donald Trump who signed an executive order saying we will not take medical imports. The government is not allowed to buy medical imports from China. It was Republican Senator Josh Hawley who introduced legislation attempting to take away, to block imports in general from China that were involved with medicine. Now that's China's fault? No, it isn't. The president's been talking about doing this the entire time. All China is doing is agreeing with them. And for that matter, what economic benefit would they have of cutting off imports to the United States or exports to the United States? These people even understand how trade works. No, they don't. Then the CCP cynically tried to act as a savior for the crisis it created. Every day this pandemic persists, as long at, and long after it's neutralized, we must remember that the CCP bears by far the greatest responsibility of any party for this pandemic. I would more blame the people in Wuhan, China, specifically, for getting the illness in the first place, but okay. If the CCP is not made to pay in a meaningful sense, what does that even mean? For the global catastrophe it caused, it will continue to act with impulsivity in its quest for homogeny guaranteed. This is the same conspiracy mongering we've heard for years. This pandemic should represent the most tangible sign yet for all Americans that we must decouple from communist China in every strategically significant sector. We cannot put our survival in the hands of a hostile adversary. And the best way, might I add, to stop hostility is to cut off all connections, completely make them economically independent, make their military completely independent, um, get rid of all allies. Wait, no, this doesn't make much sense. The fact is, economic trade has been has been stopping former Soviet countries. I guess China was never really part of the Soviets, but you know what I mean. From engaging in greater warfare. I don't know how else to put it. That's simply a fact of history. Had Nixon not opened up trade relations with China, it would have become part of the Soviet Union. And we would have had the world's largest country as part of the USSR. And it is near certain Soviets wouldn't have fallen until they may even still have existed today. I'm not going to apologize for more or less being the reason 
America is nationally secure right now. Sorry. Uh, what's the second one? Coronavirus starkly illustrates globalism's downsides. Well, I'm the peaceful globalist, so I have to look at this. The Chinese coronavirus pandemic should serve as a figurative punch in the mouth to the DeVos class. The DeVos? What the heck? Oh, the managerial state. Okay. Why not just say that? Exclusively in America. Yeah, this is blah. It's just a word for the establishment, man. The pandemic spread as a result of human-to-human -human transfers beginning in the far-flung province in central China, central China as it medicized the World Health Organization, the United Nations-based agency on which governments around the world rely, parroted the Chinese Communist Party's chosen narrative that was based on the information they had. Sorry, they... What do you want them to do? Go in there and steal data? What else would had the WHO had to base that accusation off of. Um, including that the Wuhan virus could not be passed from one human to another, source please, and that it was racist to revert the virus by its place of origin. That wasn't the racist part. The racist part was calling it all of China, comparing it to all of China, you know, a population of one billion people, and then saying that we must dramatically change our relations with China because of this virus. That's, that's probably a little racist. The chief praiser of China's response and propagator of its favored message was WHO Director General Terror. I have no clue how to pronounce that name, and I'm not even going to try. He won that position with China's backing and collaborated with China as Ethiopia's health minister. Well, that makes sense. I mean, Ethiopia is an allied nation with China. As the pandemic spread in the United States and criticism of the CCP grew, China again threatened to leverage its dominant position in the production of essential medical supply to cut off Americans from vital equipment. Of course, that's bad. When, but when the president does it, that's good. And what are you calling what are you calling for right now other than just that? But, of course, when we do it as a statement of sovereignty, when they do it as a crime against humanity, here's my favorite. When we deny medicine to our own citizens, it's America first. When they deny medicine to our citizens, it's imperialism. What word do you want me to use? This series of events perfectly illustrates the downside of the globalist agenda. Yes, the downside of globalist agenda is that someone might stop following it. That's what I'm getting from this. The downside to globalism is nationalists exist. Congratulations. You're now that dick. You're now a dick. That's what I'm upgrading you toward. Mr. What's your name again? Ben... A wiffle ball or something. Ben Weingartner. Weingarten? Garden? I am giving you the position of official dick. 
That's what you are. Of open borders and global political institutions and global economic integration at all costs. That people will stop following it is what. The issue with globalism you've given us is that there will be nationalists who stop. <laughs> or is that there may be conditions to it. I support free trade regardless of if the country is insulting us in some way or if the citizens of a country are insulting us in some way. What China is doing is nationalistic in nature. It's your side that allows ideologies like this, and now it's our fault that we didn't exterminate you. Thank you for advocating for us to censor you. That's what I'm getting from this. It perfectly illustrates the, ma the merits of America first nationalist agendas that would have done the same thing that would be doing that are doing the same thing you're going after China for. Including the, a focus on border control, national sovereignty, unless China's expressing it. China has to be completely globalist, completely free trade. They can't have any sovereignty. But <sighs> An eschewing of global institutions as well as an economic independence combined with truly free, fair, and reciprocal trade. Does anyone believe America would be hit as hard by coronavirus if China were not so deeply integrated into our architecture? Maybe we wouldn't be. I don't know. I will say a couple months of this is worth two and a half decades of economic prosperity and on and absolutely provable advancements in human technology and history, this unprecedented time of prosperity, yeah, there are going to be drawbacks. There are also drawbacks to the Ted Kaczynski lifestyle. What's your point? And again, the only issue you have been able to put at globalism's feet is when China does what you people have been advocating we do. This is what I was talking about last segment. Nationalists never realize that other nations can be nationalists as well. When China expresses even the smallest amount of nationalism, they freak out. When India expresses the smallest amount of nationalism, they freak out. When countries they don't like become nationalists, they freak out. They have to be these complete, they want to use the term economic zones. That's what they unironically want China and India to be. They want every nation besides the United States to be one gigantic economic zone and act surprised when other people decide to play their game as well. And it is absolutely disgusting. Nationalism, as it stands, is an atrocious philosophy. I will keep fighting it for as long as I humanly can. Anyway, that segment on... I already forgot the guy's name. Ben Wiffleball or something. Uh, <laughs> I've already forgotten it, and I, like, literally the only thing I've done between recording that segment and starting to record this one is I went... Uh, downstairs in my house and got myself some Diet Coke. It was like five minutes ago. 
already can't remember. But the point is, that's how bland he was. That's how awful the Federalist is, is that they all just kind of merge together. Anyway, Josh Hammer, who I've talked about, I think this is my third segment on him this week. And listen, Josh, I don't like having repeat targets like this. I want to make that clear. Can you help me by not being so ridiculous and stupid? That'd be great. But this was originally going to be uh, last segment until I saw that article. This is from his creator's column, because apparently he has that now. Coronavirus is communist China's Chernobyl. And this is a little bit of a blander one, but it will help me calm down after uh, the last one. That last one was just, oh my god. You want to know how bad it is? It's a segment later and I'm still talking about it. <laughs> uh, last year, the popular HBO miniseries Chernobyl, which recounted the um, eponymous. Uh, okay, Hammer, donate your thesaurus to the president. <laughs> do me a favor and do that. Got Josh Hammer using words like eponymous. Which most humans don't use. You got the president going up there during the State of the Union just saying strong every other word. Mr. Hammer, if you are a true America firster, you will give your thesaurus to the president of the United States. 1986 nuclear disaster in Soviet Ukraine. Enthralled audiences across America. I never saw it, so I don't know. The docudrama unspar- unsparingly portrayed the obstruction and dissembling that characterized the Soviet Communist Party's response in the aftermath of the meltdown. In a deceitful attempt to save face before domestic and international audiences, the Soviet Politburo, I don't know why it took me a minute to get that one, I know that one, <laughs> risked untold lives. Fast forward to 2020, as the coronavirus pandemic grips the world, we are all paying the price for the Communist Party of China's own Chernobyl. I mean, if you ignore the fact that they started completely differently, that Chernobyl wasn't contagious, that Chernobyl didn't really go into Europe, although it's, would Ukraine count as part of, and it didn't really go into non-Soviet blocks. It didn't really go outside of Ukraine, now that I think about it. That international response has been quite different. The domestic response has been quite different. Um, if you ignore basically everything, Besides, I guess, they were both caused by communists. When you got me there, they're basically the same thing. The only difference is that the Chai Com's Chernobyl is on a global scale. And, well, basically everything else. Start with the fact that the Chinese Communist Party was clearly warned of the dangers of continually appertiding its wet markets, believed to be the virus's sunonic Prevalence, provalence, protovalence, uh, origin. That's that's the word. I'm just gonna say origin. And okay, that's fair. But China's had other COVID nineteen or coronavirus strains before. This specific strain may be a disaster, but there have been tons of other strains over the past couple of years. So of course they weren't concerned. Things like this have happened all the time in China. It's just kind of what happens over there, if you will. 
So I obviously wouldn't have expressed concern over something that's perfectly normal. In these wet markets, exotic animals, they're really only exotic to us, but okay. To which some in China ascribe superstitious belief are bartoned like routine commodities. Oh, man. But these wet markets also previously brought into the world SARS, bird flu, Asian flu, and swine fever. And not a coli, though. That happens in meat here. That's another thing I want to point out real quick. All of these people who are saying, oh, my God, China's so weird for eating bats or armadillos is another one or. I know South Korea does dogs. Those animals weren't meant to be eaten. I'm sorry. I forgot of all the animals that evolved to die in a specific way. <laughs> I'm, I just can't make this up. That's just an argument that's never... And this idea might I add. Because if we were to completely get rid of all of these markets that could theoretically contain meat that's diseased, we could not eat meat again. The fact is, animals can have illnesses. Okay? E. coli did not come from bats. That came from burgers. The most recent E. coli outbreak I can think of, I believe, was... God, what's that restaurant? It's the one I never... Chipotle. The one I never go to. No offense to Chipotle, I just never get the chance to go there. Here it's good, though. Um, you know, you never hear, there was an E. coli outbreak there in 2014. I think it was due to their lettuce. There, there was an E. coli outbreak a few years later because of lettuce in 2017, if I'm not mistaken. Oh my God, we need to stop eating all this lettuce. Wait, where was Hammer saying that? If you want to do this game, Josh, okay, stop eating basically any food. Don't eat anything. Now, that's unrealistic, so I wouldn't recommend doing that, if only because if I shut it as real advice, I could get sued. So don't stop eating things. But you see my point. Especially in nations that have more open markets, like China does. More open local markets, at least. They're still heavily regulated and under control by the Chinese government. The fact is, sometimes stuff like this will just happen. And the average Chinese consumer is usually aware of that, as is the average American consumer aware that there's a good chance if you don't cook your meat right, you could get E. coli. China, you don't cook your bat right, you could get the coronavirus. But anyway, this little rant I mean to go on. And for that matter, if you want to say they're weird, the entire Middle East considers us weird for eating pigs. They consider us disgusting for eating pigs. Okay, spare me this. I'm the perfect person who knows exactly what's normal to you and what's not normal to you. No, you aren't. You're a product of your culture and nothing more. If when you were six, somebody had put a bat in front of you and said, eat this, you would have eaten it. A little rant I'd mean to go on for a while now. Uh, Chinese scientists had warned that Beijing Politburo that continuing to operate the wet markets could easily lead to another epi epidemiological outbreak. So what you're saying is, Josh, your biggest criticism of the Chinese Communist Party is that they allowed too many free markets.
This is conservatism in 2020, ladies and gentlemen. This is where Donnie Trump and Josh Hawley are taking us. Because Josh Hammer is like loves Josh Hawley. He's written so many articles back when he was on, on the Daily Wire slobbering over him. Worked with Ted Cruz. This is where populism is taking us, people. Your biggest criticism of communists is that they don't regulate enough. Wow. Quite possibly a novel strain of the coronavirus, Beijing paid no heed. Again, because they've been dealing with this for a long time. Again, he doesn't cite anything, but in all fairness, I don't know if creators let you link things in articles. Failing to shut down the wet markets is bad enough. They should have been even more regulatory, dang it. What kind of communists are you? But even more disastrous was the Chinese Communist Party's inf initial handling of the menacing situation in and around Wuhan. The Chinese government arrested and silenced scientists, okay, that's true, brutally suppressed truth-telling media coverage, okay, I won't deny that, but I'd like a citation, and fabricated statistics for the World Health Organization to point a rosier picture than the facts demonstrated. I've heard this claim said so many times in so many articles. It was also said in the Federalist article we just covered, as if it's just self-proving. It's not I need a citation for that. Again, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I'm not going to act like that's completely unlikely. But I just like a source for it. Overall, one popular study from Britain's University of Southampton concluded that properly early-stage Chinese government in intervention might have reduced the virus's spread by as much as 95%. Well, in order to really conclude that, we also need to know how they dealt with previous strains, but which we don't have, and again, because of various cover-ups, because that information, it's just hard to get information from foreign governments as well, especially ones that are as shady as China's. So I really don't know how that claim could be substantiated, but okay, I'll buy it. Origin, tail, and brain game aside, we are in the throes of the coronavirus fight. For the time being, it is appropriate to focus on defeating this invisible and lethal enemy. But when we prevail on other side, the United States must lead a global effort to punish the Chinese Communist Party for the Chernobyl that it has unleashed upon an unsuspecting world. At this point, even the most doctrine, doctrinaire free trader must recognize that liberalizing economic relations with China has had harmful consequences. Okay, yeah, so does everything. Oh my god, you guys aren't perfect. Your way leads to small outbreaks here and there. Yeah, your way leads to 1.4 billion people being made worse off. 1 billion in China, about 300 million in the United States. Because that'd be 1.3 billion, but we'll round up in case of China, 1.1 billion. You want over an eighth of the world's population to be made objectively poorer. I'm sorry, but if you want to sit here and argue that no idea is perfect, okay, well, mine lifts untold millions out of poverty. Yours, I guess, stops an outbreak every now and then. I think I'm winning.
Pre-trade absolute. Did I even read all of that? No, I didn't actually. Our liberalized not liberalized. Economic supply chain has endangered us all by allowing our non-pre-level geopolitical foe to control our pharmaceuticals. Well, I mean, Donald seemed to have pretty good control over pharmaceuticals when he banned imports from China, or at least banned the federal government from buying imports from China. I have to add that stimulator, that stipulator, because if I don't, somebody's going to point it out. Telecommunication infrastructure, not really. I mean, most Social media apps are still owned by American companies. The only popular one I could think of that has a headquarters in China is TikTok. And I guess the Epic Games Store. Does the Epic Games Store count? And even children's toys. Yes, and they're brainwashing them to be communists. Further, those who prevent ideological predispositions assume then a self-evident slide from economic liberalization to political liberalization. Who assumed that? Um, source, please. Are now bellied by the reality that is the world's foremost authoritarian police state. Oh my god, Chinese are no more politically free today than they were beforehand. Side note, I don't believe that. For a variety of reasons, the biggest one being it is physically impossible to exert the political control someone like Mao Zedong had. Just a general thing. Um, but even then, again, notice how he's leaving out the millions of prosperous individuals in both China and the U.S. as part of free trade. But, of course, we only care about the economy because we don't want you living in dumpster. Free trade absolutists and those who aided China's bid to join the World Trade Organization. Actually, a lot of free trade absolutists hate the World Trade Organization, like Ron Paul and Rockwell and called to pull out of it. Ought to reassess their dogmatic prioritization. Side note, again, you want to use the word dogma negatively. You've argued for Judeo-Christian values in the U.S. You literally support dogma. Okay? Now, that is not an insult. I have nothing against the religious. I want to make that clear. I have nothing against those who accept some dogma of their own. I do, however, have something against people who assert the idea that dogma is always negative and then go on to have their own dogmatic beliefs. That is called hypocrisy, and I do not accept it in the slightest. Um, what else? Of cheaper goods? Oh, not cheaper goods. Anything but that. And again, Josh, what's your net worth? You're a prestigious lawyer. You've worked for Ted Cruz. You have a syndicated column. If everything were to cost double tomorrow, you probably wouldn't have to notice. I take you. You're a socialite. This is socialite conservatism is what this is. At the end of the day, you are a socialite conservative. You just want people to exist in this moralistic principle as opposed to even remotely acknowledging economic reality. 
This isn't even the economy doesn't matter or the economy isn't everything. This is the economy doesn't exist. And if you believe that, well, you're typically a new ager, and I laugh at those people. America must do its best to coordinate the global imposition of crippling tariffs and mass sanctions upon this destructive foe. Sure, and, you know, I'm sure all those people can just afford to be poor, just afford to live in poverty forever. It is time for both fully divest from China and to affirmatively punish the chai for their coronavirus recklessness. Economic aside, China must pay a steep political price, fully severing diplomatic relations and encouraging our allies to join us in shutting the embassies in China is likely a step too far. But intermediate measures can and should be taken to isolate China on the world stage. You're going to intermediately isolate them. <laughs> You're going to intermediately do the extreme thing. You're a moderate extremist, Josh Hammer. <laughs> Multilateral organizations to which China is a party, such as the G20, should internationally census China and ideally revoke its membership. That's actually the last thing you would want if you want to reign it under control, especially the method Hammer is talking about. Because then that could make them economically independent, which is not what you are looking for if you want to sufficiently punish them. Um, again, nationalism for thee, or for me, but not for thee. Far-fetched, although it may be, the United States should at least symbolically float the idea that China have its United Nations Security Council permanent member status rescinded. Well... We've already been doing that for quite a while now. And crucially, the United States must also lead a coordinated effort among our allies to further ramp up naval asset deployment to the eastern and south China seas. That sounds like you're calling for an invasion. You're probably not. You're probably just referring to protecting Taiwan or something. But it sounds like you're calling for an invasion. And considering, again, your best buddy, Senator Hobby, said we should pull the troops out of Afghanistan because of China, it sounds like you guys want to invade them. Do you want to invade China? I'll let you want to invade China. I won't stop you if you truly want to. But just say, I, Josh Hammer, want to invade China. There is ultimately no power quite like hard power. The Chernobyl nuclear disaster transpired at the tail end of the Soviet Union's lifespan. In the years ahead, America must do its best to ensure the Chi-Com suffer the same fate as the Soviets. Okay, so we're going to tear down the Berlin Wall um, right now. We're going to reunite China with Taiwan? Is that the fate you're talking about? Listen, I, I want to make one thing clear. I'm just going to end the show with this. I do agree with Josh Hammer on this aspect. We need to make sure China does not conquer Afghanistan. I'm Ephraim, and good night.